Hey, my name's Scott, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge, and I'm so glad you are here as we're wrapping up a series that we've been in for the last several weeks, uh, and we're talking about this thing called joy. And have you ever noticed that um, two simple words can really be impactful? Uh, it can really just change your life at times. It can bring joy at times and happiness. I mean, just two simple words. So I've written down a, a couple of these or a few of these. Um, here's some words. Astros win. See, now see, that just changes the mood, right? I mean, it makes you a little happier. Roll Tide. Yeah, not as, not as happy, I guess, after yesterday. But yeah, um, how about this? She's cute. First date. Long kiss. In love. Marry me. I do. I'm pregnant. It's triplets. We're broke. Right? I mean, it can just be life-changing. Just two simple words can literally change your life. And I want to tell you about two words that, that I think really can change your life. Um, it can make an impact in every situation that you find yourself in in life. And it's these two words. Thank you. Thank you has the ability to change not only your life, but the situation you find yourself in and the lives of the people around you. Because gratitude has just an incredible power in our lives and in the lives of the people that you come in contact with every single day. Our ability to be grateful, um, it really does change who we are and the impact we can have in life. Uh, as we wrap up today, we've been talking about this letter in the New Testament of the Bible. It's a letter that was written by a guy named the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a group of first century Christians in the ancient city of Philippi in Greece. And he's writing to them about this thing of joy and how to have a life that's characterized by joy. And, and he's talked about, and we've talked about in this series, that you can have joy in all circumstances of life. The best of circumstances, the worst of circumstances, you can choose to have joy. Uh, you can have joy in serving other people, not always trying to be out front, but serving people behind the scenes. That can bring you joy. And you can have joy even with a past, a past that tends to come up and haunt you every once in a while. You can still have joy in the midst of all of those situations. And so as we've gone through this, we've talked about each week how Paul finds himself in a Roman prison. He is chained to a Roman guard 24-7. He is facing imminent execution. And the question just kind of comes up over and over again, how does a person in that situation continue to have so much joy? How does he, how does he write about it? How does he show this in his life when all of the things around him seem to be going in the opposite direction of the things that we would normally associate with, with having joy. And I want to, today, as we look at this passage in Philippians chapter four, I really, I really think it lends a, a, a clue for us into how he was able to have joy and the foundation really for his joy. And really it's the foundation for any of us to be able to have joy, especially in all circumstances and situations in life. And so the passage we're going to look at as we wrap up today is Philippians chapter four, starting in verse 11. And here's what he says. He says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, 
with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now that last verse there, Philippians 4.13, it is a very popular verse. In fact, even if you didn't grow up going to church, you might have heard that verse somewhere along the way because athletes quote it and different people um, quote it or get tattoos with it on their body. My oldest son has it tattooed on his body. And, and, and usually, though, uh, people use that, that phrase or that um, verse in a way to say that through Christ, I can be like more than a conqueror. I can be an overcomer. I can be victorious. I can accomplish whatever life goal I have because of Christ. And while there may be a lot of truth to that, sometimes I think that gets used a little bit out of context with what Paul is actually saying. Because as Paul's writing here, he's saying, I've learned the power and the secret of being content in life, no matter what life brings at me, no matter what situation I find myself in, whether I have a whole bunch or I don't have very much at all, I've learned this secret, this power of being content. And the way I do that is because Christ gives me the strength to live that way. So it's not so much about I'm, I'm an overcomer and I'm a, you know, I, I can be more than a conqueror and all these kind of things. It's, so, it's, it's much more about because of Christ's strength in me, I have learned what it's like to be content. And he gives me the ability to see life in that particular way. Have you ever thought about how difficult it is to be content in our world? I mean, everything that comes at us is just trying to move us away from this level of contentment. Now, we've gotten to the place where we can actually record TV shows now so we can kind of go through, skip through all of the commercials that basically tell us that our lives suck without their product. Uh, so we've been able to get past some of those, but then we have social media and we have all of our friends on there uh, telling us how great their lives are. You know, they've lost 20 pounds in three days. You know, their life is so much better. They've taken another amazing vacation, right? Or, you know, we've just, uh, we've just grown vegetables out of a box that we made from a pallet that we found behind HEB. And we're, you know, we're organic and freegan and whatever else we are, right? We've made Pinterest-inspired preschool snacks, you know? It's, it's like everything reminding us of all the things we're not of all the things that we should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And it continues to just relay this message of we're not enough. We don't have enough. We're not good enough parents. And it's like, you want to sit back and go, give me a break, right? I mean, all of these messages we're constantly hearing and it's always moving us toward this mindset of it is so difficult to be content in this world. And if we're not careful, we fall into the trap of, I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not hashtag blessed enough. And all of those feelings, all of those thoughts really fuel this thing in us called envy. And envy begins taking over in our lives. And envy becomes this powerful, powerful force in our life. And, and this level of ingratitude that we have, it just kind of fuels all this envy inside of us. And we begin looking around at all the great things everybody else has. 
All the great experiences everybody else is experiencing, all the great things they're doing that we're not doing, and we become envious. And we get a little upset. We get a little upset with them. We start finding ways to be mad or distance ourselves from those people because they have things that remind us of what we don't have. They have things that remind us a little bit of what we're not. And so we look for ways to be upset with those people. And, 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 and we, you know, we try to act in a good way about it. You know, we just, we look and we use things like, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't do those kinds of things. I would be a better steward than that. I just would act differently. I wouldn't wear something like that. We say all of these things, what we're doing is hiding the fact that we're really upset with those people because they look like that. They get to do those things. They get to drive that. They get to live in that. They get to whatever else. And this envy begins really taking over our life. And then we began playing this fairness card, right? It's just not fair. It's just not fair. God, it's not fair. It's not fair. My husband works just as hard as her husband works, and yet he doesn't make the same money that he makes. It's just not fair. It's not fair that my kids don't get the same opportunity as their kids. It's just not fair. It's not fair. That we have to constantly scrimp, we have to constantly, you know, hold back, whereas they're just going and doing everything they want to. It's not fair. And we love God and they don't. And it's just not fair, right? It's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. And the truth is, and I think, I think we all know this, but sometimes we caught up in a little bit. The truth is, I don't think any of us really want life to be fair. And here's what I mean. I, if, 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 if we really wanted fairness, and let's say all of a sudden, overnight, fairness could be established throughout the world. So that everybody would be equally wealthy, healthy. We would look the same. I mean, you know, we'd have the same opportunities. Everything would be the same across the board. If those things happened, I would dare say that most of us in this room would take a step backwards in our life. If all of a sudden everybody in the world was just as wealthy and just as talented and just as healthy, a lot of us would be taking a step backwards. And so it's not so much that we want fairness. What we want is just a little bit more, right? We just want a little bit more, maybe to even things out or just to get a little bit ahead of that person. That'd be all right, too. We just want a little bit more. I don't necessarily want it to be fair I just want to be a different size I don't want it to be fair I just want to be able to drive that I don't necessarily need it to be fair but it'd be nice to live in there it's all of these things that we really just want a little bit more of and it's all fueled by this envy in our hearts and in our lives and part of that comes from this level of ingratitude not being grateful for what we do have because of being so envious of what everybody else has and what we want to say, we want to say it's really about that person. But the truth is, envy is always going to be a heart and not a circumstance issue. Envy is a heart issue. It is not a circumstance issue. It is not a people in your life issue. We want to put the context of the circumstances we're facing the people in our life, things like that. But it's always going to be 
a heart issue. I recall several years ago, the first time that I'd gone to, to Africa, to Kenya, and we were there in Nairobi, and we went into some of the slums there in Nairobi. And this is a level of poverty that we don't understand here in the U.S. But as I walked through the slums, it was interesting. Uh, the guy that was taking us through the slums, he said, you know, I was just asking about different places. And, and all of the, the little put-together homes looked kind of the same. Uh, but some were a little bit nicer than others, but they were pretty much all, you know, just open sewer running down through the streets and kids were just running unsupervised because their moms and dads were out trying to find work and so they were just left there in the village in the slum there by themselves. And, and I began asking about the different scenarios and what the guy told me was amazing. He said, you know, no one in the slum felt like they were any different than anybody else in the world. They just thought this was life. This is what they grew up with. They thought this is just how life is until someone brought a television into the slum. And then all of a sudden they could see that other people in the world didn't live like they lived. And it created this level of envy and jealousy that began running rampant through the streets to now there's crimes has increased. There are killings. There are robberies, everything that had taken place that once did not happen because someone saw that somebody else had it better. See, envy is a heart issue. It's not a circumstance issue. It's not a people issue. It's what's going on deep inside of us, deep in our heart. The, um, the truth is if suddenly you got everything you wanted, if you got that car, if you got that job, if you got that, you know, spouse, if you got those kids or whatever it is that you're thinking, man, that, that's a better deal there. It wouldn't change your heart. It wouldn't, it wouldn't change your life. You think it would, but you'd still have the same issues. You'd still deal with the same problems on the inside. And there will still always be a bigger fish out there that you don't measure up to. And so it's really not about the people. It's really not about the circumstances. It's really about the heart. But we tend to think that your problem, I'm, you know, you are my problem and I'm your problem and we focus on each other and we distance ourselves from each other. And we know that it's not a people problem because the only thing you can really do to address my issue with you is something that actually magnifies the fact that I got a problem. What is the one thing a person can do that helps the envious person? The one thing that that person that has everything that the envious person wants, what's the one thing they can do that really helps the envious person? It's not giving them what they have. It's that they fail in some way. Am I right? That, that as long as I'm looking at you and you have it all, man, I'm envious. But what we really want is the fact that you failed. That you didn't measure up in some way. Oh, he wrecked his car. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, they didn't get to go on a vacation. They must be having financial trouble. Did you see her this summer? She is not what she used to be. See, we want them to fail. And the fact that we want them to fail just magnifies the fact that we've got a problem. And it's a problem inside of our heart. And that's where envy rests. 
And that's where it just kind of hangs out. And when we're envious, the truth is, our real issue is with God. It's not with the people. Because here's what envy says. Envy says, God, you owe me. Whatever it is you gave them, you owe me. You gave them looks, you gave them opportunity, you gave them wealth, you gave them whatever it is you listed out. And what you're really saying is, God, you should have given those things to me. And so when we have an envy issue in our heart, it's really that we're saying, God, we got a problem with you. You should have given me these kinds of things. And it is affecting my joy in life. I can't have joy because I am surrounded by circumstances that I can't see beyond. And there's circumstances that, God, you put me in. And if they were to change, it'd be a lot better. But you are the one who put me here. And so, God, we really have an issue with you. God, you've not been fair. Can I give you a newsflash? God is not concerned with being fair. Fairness kind of went out the window in the Garden of Eden. After the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve decided to, to do their own deal, fairness just kind of went out the window. And you read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it is consistent that God gives gifts, He gives talents, He gives abilities to whoever He decides to give those things to. And they're not equal. Some will have more of things than others. And God does all of those things in accordance with his purpose and his plan. He doesn't check in with us. He's never asked me if I thought it was okay. I'm not sure if he's asked you those things. He doesn't do those things. He's not interested in fairness. He's interested in accomplishing his will and his purpose in our lives and using us to accomplish his will and the greater purpose of what he wants to do on this earth and the lives of people. And so he's going to distribute those things according to what he sees as the best plan. And sometimes it's going to feel fair, sometimes it's not. But he's not interested in those things. Envy, here's a way to define envy. Envy is resent, resenting God's goodness in someone else's life while ignoring his goodness in mine. I resent the fact that you've been good to that person and I'm so focused on how good you've been to that person that I am totally ignoring all the blessings that you've given to me. I'm totally ignoring all the great things you've done in my life because I can't see past all the things you're doing for them. And yet if we were to ever take time to look at all the blessings that God has given to us, it would really begin to change our life. Because there's so many blessings that he's given the list would just go on and on and on if we ever took the time to stop and focus in on it. But too often we resent the things that he's done in other people's life and it keeps us from really experiencing that. And you know what that, and study after study shows is that envy really does ruin our health. <laughs> it ruins our health. I mean, you think about it. We get so focused on all these things that we don't have and this envy begins to take over in our life and we can't move past it. And the more envious we become, pretty soon our peace kind of goes because our peace can't coexist with the envy in our heart. And when our peace goes, our contentment goes because 
we're not content in life because now our heart's not at peace. And when our contentment goes, our joy goes. Because now we don't have any contentment in life. We don't have any joy in life either. And when our joy goes, our strength goes. And when our strength goes, then our worry and anxiety begins to rise. And when the worry and anxiety begins to rise, then we don't sleep as well. We don't sleep and rest as well. Then all of a sudden we have headaches and, and stomach aches and pains and all this kind of stuff in our life. All because of envy. And study after study has shown that, man, when you have an envious heart or a jealous heart, it will affect your physical health and your emotional health. Envy will tear our lives apart. Here's what uh, Solomon said in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs 14.30, he said, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. When your heart is at peace, man, your life, your body is filled with life. But when you have envy, it just slowly chips away at it, slowly begins to deteriorate your life. It eats away and eats away. And it really stems from a heart of ingratitude. You know that ingratitude is probably the root to most every issue that we find in life and in humanity. Most every issue can probably be tied back to ingratitude in some way. Even when you read the scripture, when you read the Bible and the, the narrative of God, God's work in history and all the way back to the creation, the fall of humanity is really the result of ingratitude. Because God looks at Adam and Eve and he says, here's this lush, incredible garden. And I'm giving you all of it. You, you've got your, your way with it. I mean, I, anything you see in this garden, you can have. You can eat of any tree. You can, you can take, partake in anything you see except the one tree. Everything else is yours. But that one tree is off limits. And out of this incredible, lush garden where everything was accessible to them, they could have whatever they want. What do you think they wanted most? <laughs> the one thing they said they couldn't have. And so they decided, we'll partake in that. And once they did, it issued in the fall of humanity, and we've been envious and wanting what we couldn't have ever since. We look around and we want all the things that we don't think we have and all the things that we don't think we can get in relationships, in our jobs, in our status in life, it's all about focused on ingratitude with what God has given us and so focused on the things that we don't have. So if ingratitude is really the culprit and envy is really the culprit, well, then what's the answer? The answer then is a heart that's grateful. The answer is beginning to have gratitude in our lives. And here's the principle, the, the overall principle for today today's message, the joy principle. Count your own blessings, not others. Count your own blessings, not others. So in the next few minutes, I want to try to give you some three practical things that you can do to try to apply this to your life, that you count your own blessings and not others. Because if I just tell you to say thank you more often, you might say it more often, but maybe it's through clenched teeth. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, right. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm saying thank you. All right. I said thank you but we're really not experiencing gratitude in our lives. So let me give you three, I think, practical ways to try to incorporate this thing of 
uh, bringing gratitude into your life and, and being able to count your own blessings and not others. The, the first one is this, just start counting. Start counting, start counting the blessings in your life. And, and you say, okay, well, that's, you know, I showed up for that. I mean, that's okay, start counting. But the reason I say that is because most of us never do it. In fact, if you were to go and, and, and sit down with a group of people and you were to ask, and say if it's at lunch or wherever it is, and you were just to ask the question, what are some of your biggest pet peeves in life? I'm telling you, people would start talking and you would, you'd, you'd have to do things to try to get them to shut up, right? Because they're just going to start listing off. I'll tell you what, I don't like this. And when people do this, and the one time that all these things begin coming out. But then if all of a sudden you said, okay, what about, tell me your biggest blessings in life. Right? It's just crickets. You're like, uh, it's not so easy to talk about those things. It's not so easy to come up with that list. And it may very well be because we've never started a list. We've never come up with a list. And here's what I know about starting to count and make up a list of the things that God has blessed you with. What I know about that is as you, as you start doing that, that list will grow. It's the nature of that list. When you start writing the things that God has blessed you with, that list will continue to grow and grow and grow. And if you've never done this, then just start with anything. I mean, start with puppies and pepperoni pizza and pulling your underwear out of the dryer and putting them right on. I, I don't know. Whatever it is for you. I mean, I hear things, okay? But whatever it is for you, right? So whatever these blessings are for you, just start somewhere and start counting and writing down the various blessings that you experience on a daily basis from God. And as you start counting out those blessings, you will find that list becoming longer and longer and longer. And the reason we have a hard time talking about it now is because we don't really focus that much on all the small blessings that come into our lives. But we do tend to focus on the blessings that other people are experiencing. Now listen to this quote. I love this quote. It says, contentment is not the achievement of all that we want. It is the realization of all that we already have. Contentment is not this thing of, man, if I could just get everything, if I, you know, well, I'd be content. No, it's really sitting back and going, when I start counting all the things that I already have, wow, my heart becomes more grateful. And that gratitude brings in a level of contentment maybe that I've never experienced before. And you know what? I want you to just think about this. As bad and tumultuous as our country may be at different times and even now, you still live in America. And that's a pretty big blessing. As, as difficult as your situation may be right now, you still, and I can say this pretty much probably to every person in this room, you still find yourself in probably the top 80% of wage earners in the world simply by where you live. As overwhelming as life can feel right now in some of your lives, you still have a God that loves you 
and who sent his son to die for you so that you could experience a personal relationship with your heavenly father and you could go to heaven when you die. If nothing else, that's a great place to start. You start counting out all the ways that God has blessed your life. And pretty soon you'll have a list that begins ushering in this heart of gratitude like you've never experienced. Paul says that he learned to be content. He learned to be content. And how, how do you learn a skill or how do you learn something that becomes so effective in your life that it can be your go-to all the time? Well, it's practice, right? I mean, practice makes perfect. You have to practice those things over and over again. And so that's the second point. Second skill I want you to do is not only just not start counting, but also practice saying thank you. Practice saying thank you. We don't say thank you enough by and large. We tend, uh, we tend to have this entitlement mentality like people owe us things. And we really ought to practice saying thank you more. Practice saying thank you. Pa practice being grateful. Gratitude is incredibly powerful in our lives. And sometimes it's just a matter of slowing down enough to be able to see the things that you can be grateful for. Because our lives are busy, right? Our lives are hectic. And you're sitting here right now thinking, I'll be grateful when this is over because I've got so many things to do today. We don't tend to slow down long enough to really see how God has blessed us. I'll never forget going to Guatemala for the very first time and drilling a clean water well for this village. And at the end of the week, as we're dedicating this water, uh, this clean well, the mayor or the chief of the village, he comes to me because he had found out that I was pastor. And he comes to me and he says, God has so blessed us this year. It's unbelievable the blessings that we've experienced from God this year. And so he begins to list them. He said, all of our goats have had babies. And now we have clean water. We're blessed beyond measure. And I'm sitting there thinking about all the things that I don't have. All the things that I wished I could get my hands on. And he's talking about goats and water. Sometimes it's just a matter of slowing down long enough. To seeing the things that God has already done. So that we can say, we can have gratitude and we can say thank you. And part of this, and this is just something that I, I encourage you. Part of getting rid of this whole thing of envy in our heart. Is to begin celebrating the things that you see in other people's lives. And that's not easy. Especially if they're things that you wish that God would do in your life. But instead start celebrating those things in other people's lives. Start celebrating the wins, the victories that you see in their life. And then be verbal about it. Tell them openly. Man, I love that car. That's awesome. Glad you get to drive that. You look so good in that dress. I mean, I'm telling you, you look great in that. Hey, I'm glad you got that promotion. And the idea that you presented to get that was incredible. I'm so happy for you.
celebrating openly the things that we tend to be a little envious of. Now, I know you might be sitting there going, well, what good does that do? Because it's not going to be sincere. Well, what's, what's insincere about it? Do you like that car? Was it a great idea? Does she look good in that dress? All those things are truthful. Our hearts have just been so messed up with envy, we've been in, incapable of sharing those things. It's not that they're not true. It's just that we didn't want to see them that way. And here's what I will tell you, that celebration breaks the power of envy in your heart. Celebration, celebrating other people, celebrating the things that you would normally be jealous or envious about. But celebrating those things openly, even if you feel like this is not really sincere, it begins to change your heart. And over time, that sincerity will, will be there. But you have to celebrate what you see in other people's lives. And then the third thing, start counting, practice saying thank you, and then share the joy. Share the joy. You know, joy is kind of like laughter. It's infectious. You ever been in a place where somebody just starts laughing or people just start laughing and you don't even know what they're laughing about, but the fact that they're laughing makes you start laughing? What is that, right? You just see people laughing and you just start laughing. You, somebody looks at you, what are you laughing about? I don't know, whatever they're laughing about. What are they laughing about? I don't know. But laughter just starts making that infectious and joy is the same way. When you begin spreading joy, it's infectious. People around you, their lives are impacted because of the joy that you're spreading. And you know, here's what I know about every one of us, I think, that, that we really, when we look at our kids, and I know some of your kids are grown, some of you've got grandkids, and you can apply it to your grandkids as well. But, but we want our kids to, and our grandkids to, to grow up and to, you know, not complain about everything in life, to not have this kind of victim mentality that, oh, this is happening to me, and I can't do this. We want them to, you know, not grumble their way through life, but to really, you know, do things that just pick themselves up and go forward. But where do you think they learn those things from? Do you think they're just born into this world with a victim mentality? you think they're just born in this world complaining? Well, they were a griper from the day they were born. Yeah. Is that right? No, they, they, they tend to learn those things from us, Right? Because we're complaining about things that we see in the world and in our country. We're complaining about things at the workplace. We're complaining about relationships. We're grumbling about this, griping about this. And they see all of those things. And they begin picking up traits and cues about how life needs to be. Now, I'm not saying there are not things in life that we should complain about. But I'm saying when we make it part of our lifestyle, that becomes infectious as well. But what if you flip the script? What if instead you just began talking about all the incredible things, the incredible blessings that you have in life, regardless of what your circumstances may be? As you start this list, you'll be able to find a lot of things that you can be grateful for. What if you just began celebrating what you see in other people's lives openly in front of your kids, in front of your family, celebrating the good things that are happening for other people? 
What if you just began spreading joy and contentment in that way and a heart that's grateful in that way? I promise you, it will become infectious. And before long, you will hear your kids doing the same kinds of things. See, what if we just began to share joy instead of all the other stuff that we tend to share? What would that do in your life? What would it do in your family's life? What would it do in the lives of the people around you? <clears throat> you know, we've talked about <clears throat> a joy ride. And you tend to think, joy ride, that sounds, you know, fun. And, and there's a lot of things about even the things we've talked about that hopefully have been fun. But we've talked about some really serious stuff. We've talked about some hard things. We talked about joy, overcoming different things, joy in difficult circumstances of life. And see, I think what Paul is sharing in this final passage that we're looking at, he's saying, you know what? You can have joy regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in. But it comes through a heart of gratitude. Because no matter how bad it might seem in your life, there's always something you can be grateful for. And that gratitude really does begin to bring this level of contentment to your life. And, and it doesn't mean that you sit back and say, well, it never has to get better. I'm fine. Just like this. No, it's more of saying, you know, I'm good. I'd like for it to be better. But I'm good because I know that God's still there. God still loves me. God has a plan. And I might not be able to see exactly what the plan is, but I trust in it and I trust in him. And it gives me a level of contentment because I'm grateful for all that he's done for me. And that contentment and gratitude begins to bring forth a joy in every situation you find yourself in. And that kind of joy, it's absolutely infectious. And that kind of joy, I believe, can help you take a lot of people on a joy ride with you. Let me pray for us, okay?